This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. If you'll take your Bibles and that handout that I sent you, we want to continue a series that we started at the end of last year about gripping God in order to overcome some things, in fact, gripping God so that you can let go of some things that do not need to control your life or my life. O come, O come, Emmanuel, because God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. When we put our faith and trust in Him and He indwells us, we're delivered from the penalty of sin. That means that sin will no longer require that we face death and judgment. What a blessing that is. If you are a Christian, you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're listening tonight, there is no condemnation, therefore, to them that are in Christ Jesus. You have been forgiven. You've been delivered from the penalty. You've also been delivered from the power of sin, and that's what we're going to focus on tonight. Sin should not, does not need to have dominion over you or me. We are indwelt by Christ. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And eventually, we'll be delivered from the very presence of sin. And I, I can't wait for that. It, it intrigues me. I have never known deliverance from the presence of sin. You haven't either. Uh, but someday, it, there will just be no trace of it anywhere. And I don't know about you, but that excites me a whole lot. I can't wait. So tonight, we want to look at gripping God to overcome addiction. There are things, even for a Christian, that can become baggage in our lives. Uh, Brother Davis mentioned that we're pilgrims. And yet, sometimes we don't live like pilgrims. Uh, we have a lot of stuff, but on top of the stuff we have, uh, many times we make decisions and habits form in our lives, and, and we begin to have spiritual baggage and, and guilt and fear and sin habits that really affect our ability to run the race for Christ. And so we want to focus on that because my goal is, as your pastor, our family here at Good News, that you be able to run freely in 2021. doesn't matter what the circumstances are, that you can uh, press on to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and not be encumbered uh, by the things that the flesh uh, wants to weigh you down with, uh, the weights and the sins uh, and, and Hebrews gets it right. The writer of Hebrews, under inspiration, they easily can beset us. And so by way of introduction, let me just ask this question. Got an addiction? <laughs> Do you? Say, well, I, no, I, I, well, they're more common than most of us want to admit. Ask yourself this. Is there a pleasure that delivers less and less to me but comes at a greater cost to my family, 
my pocketbook, and my health. Over time, these can develop in our lives. Something that would not be considered necessarily a hardcore addiction, like something illegal, immoral, or obviously self-destructive. Say, well, I, I don't have any of that. All right. But let me ask you to fill in the blank. When you're bored, lonely, with nothing to do, when you feel stress, discouragement, frustration, or you're worn out, when you feel hurt, betrayed, treated unfairly, what do you do? What do you do? Well, I've got a cake in the refrigerator for that. <laughs> okay. What, what do you do? As Christians, we can, we can get discouraged. You maybe even be a little upset with God because of the way things are going. And so, where does your flesh turn? Where does your mind go? And all of this that we're talking about could indicate, yes, in fact, you do have an addiction. These kinds of situations tend to lead us away from innocent pleasures into stained and guilty ones. We want to talk about how you can control through the power of God the things that, well, they... They really don't affect me so much, and, and, and I, I, I'm managing these things. You need to be able to give those to God as we start a new year before they become something else in your life. So let's talk about identifying addictions, these guilty pleasures. All right? There are the sinful pleasures that corrupt. And with this, these could include fornication, substance abuse. Uh, one that we don't talk about much, but we need to, gluttony. It's interesting in Scripture with gluttony, uh, those are, uh, that sin is often, that addiction is often associated with drunkenness and uh, being slothful, being lazy. Those all seem to go together. If you have one of these sinful pleasures that's corrupting and shackling your life, I'm going to give you some help tonight on how you can, again, shake off those chains by the grace of God. But identifying addictions also includes subtle pleasures that control and then later become sinful. Subtle pleasures that control and later become sinful. Shopping. Electronic media and gaming. Any of that become addictive? Sure. Talk radio. Say, really? Yeah, there are people that just can't get enough of that. Snacking and drinks. Snacking and drinks. By drinks, I'm, I'm talking about your, your favorite coffee stop. Now, it's okay if you have that regularly and even every day. But do you think that can become addictive? Sure it can. Sure it can. 
I heard about a pastor who visited a man one time, and the man was struggling, had, had been on fire for God. Uh, the man was being used of God, and then things began to change. And so he went to visit this man and uh, wanted to know what, what had changed, what, had, what, what was going on in his life. Found the man in the backyard, and when he walked into his backyard, literally he looked over to the side, and there was a whole pile. He wasn't collecting bottles of soda. It was all bottles of a particular kind of soda. And there was a mountain of these bottles back there. Now, obviously, a few years ago, we don't use bottles so much anymore. But I remember that pastor indicating, okay, or saying that that was an indication that there were some things out of control in this man's life, and that was one of them. And he found out later, okay, without, uh, again, being too nitpicky here, he found out later that this, in fact, was something that this man was addicted to, and there were other things. He had just let himself go. How about sports? And, of course, we could add other things uh, to this list. Uh, bodily exercise does profit a little. But there are those that will tell you, and some, some people just, just can't get enough, and that, it ends up that's all they do. Whether it's weightlifting, whether it's a particular sport, or whether it's following sports on television. Uh, it, it, just, it just consumes them. These are subtle pleasures that control us, can control us, and become, can become uh, more serious problems later. And so I want to remind us tonight of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 12, all things are lawful unto me. And of course, he's speaking of the lawful things. Not everything in this world is lawful. But Paul is talking about the things that God says are lawful. All those things are acceptable. I can be involved in those things. But all things are not expedient. That means not everything is a benefit to us spiritually. They don't benefit our journey, our walk uh, with the Lord and our journey for the Lord. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power, and that's the idea, the control of anything. Okay? Any, uh, anything that's out there uh, that could, again, be one of those subtle pleasures that, that could grab a hold of me, Paul said, I'm not going to allow any of that to control me. Now, I don't believe for a moment that that meant that Paul lived a boring life, that he never took time to enjoy himself. Paul did say, I know what it means to abound. Not only to have plenty, but to be able to enjoy the plenty that the Lord gives. I'm sure, he had great fellowship with the missionary team and and that he traveled with, and, and uh, also with the churches that he, was, he had planted and that he was visiting. I know that they had wonderful fellowship together. But Paul said, if it's not beneficial, I'm going to be very careful, and if it can control me, I am not going to allow it to. I'm going to be very careful with those things. And so tonight, let's talk about when the good becomes Evil. When the good becomes evil. Now, I, I want to remind us that the things that people do, they do primarily because there is pleasure in sin for a season. 
And the things that we tend to give ourselves to are the result of us feeding some basic appetites that we have. Sleep is good, but we want to do it too much. Food is good, but we want to do it too much. And I could talk about other things that uh, desires that God's given us, they're good, but we want to take them outside of God's boundaries. And so, when does the good become evil? Let me remind us that God created for his pleasure and our enjoyment. What he created, he created for his pleasure and our enjoyment. For instance, Revelation 4 and verse 11. God has created all things. And the writer of Revelation, the Apostle John says, And for thy pleasure they are and were created. In 1 Timothy 6.17, we're told that the living God has given us all things to richly enjoy. I'm so thankful that he has. And by the way, when you look at our world, you look at all the variety. Look at all the different colors. Why did God put that there? Yes, so that those things could declare his glory and his handiwork. Okay, That is true, but, but he made that, and then he made us to be able to take it all in and enjoy it. To be wowed by it. I'm so thankful that all the food God made doesn't taste just like broccoli. Aren't you thankful for that? All right? I mean, he didn't just make one kind of fruit. He made all kinds of fruit. Not one kind of nut. All kinds of nuts. And different grains and chocolate. I mean, there are just different kinds of chocolate, too. Isn't God good? But why did he do that? For our pleasure, but so that as we enjoy those things, it turns our hearts to God to give him praise, to give him praise. Glory. So God created for his pleasure and our enjoyment. David Pollison said this, It would be easy to think that the solution is to reject all pleasure and enjoyment. In other words, if we're going to avoid addiction, we just avoid pleasure. That's what he's saying. But just becoming more disciplined ignores how God made us. God made us to feel. Something is missing if we don't ask questions about what is beautiful, about joy and sorrow, pleasure and pain, adoration and disgust. It can be hard for us to understand that pure pleasure was created, Genesis 131, very good. So when God spoke and made the creation, what did he say? It was very good. Actually, if you look at that word, a while back I preached, in fact, it's been years now, preached a series here where we looked at the fact that when God said very good, it's actually a Hebrew word that means best. You can't improve on God's very good. That's why he made it, to bring himself glory and to bring us pleasure because God's trying to teach us something about himself. Heaven is going to be amazing because we'll get to worship God. That will be the primary focus. But will that be the only focus? No. Well, how do we know that? Because God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to get to see it all, take it all in, enjoy it, 
experience pleasure from it. So we need to be reminded of it. But when does the good become evil? Well, crossing the line from innocent to guilty looks like this. All right, first of all, the pleasure is, uh, or crossing the line happens when the pleasure is plain wrong, when God specifically in his word forbids it. Take your Bibles and, and let's go over to Galatians chapter 5. Here is one of many lists in scripture where the Lord says, look, this is plain wrong. <laughs> there's there's no, no question about it. This is wrong. Don't do it. You know, we could go to places like the Ten Commandments. Is what God says. Do, don't. But in Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 19. Here's what the flesh produces. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, revealed, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, external stuff. But then the Lord turns the focus to the sins of our hearts. All right, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, going to the ex external again, drunkenness, partying, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. All right. So there are things in Scripture that are clearly forbidden. Can those things, if you do them, bring some pleasure? Yeah, for a season, but then they'll destroy you. And it is important that as we enter a new year, that Christians decide in their minds, if God forbids it, I am not to have anything to do with it. I need to avoid it like the plague, because it's going to affect me like a plague. I need to stay away from it. The pleasure of plain wrong. Okay? Should avoid it. Number two, the pleasure, when the pleasure captivates and captures you. We've already looked at 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. All things are lawful for me, it's not all expedient. And there are things that are lawful, but can bring me under their control. Realize that pleasure first tries to cap captivate before it ends up capturing. Okay? Makes me think of Eve in the Garden of Eden. When she saw the tree that it was good for food. Right? She hadn't even tasted of it, and what was happening? It was already captivating her. Then she took, and that's when she was captured. When a pleasure demands action, it is too much on our minds and too much in our, ac uh, our actions. Okay, And therefore, it needs to be out of place for a Christian. Are there things in your life, pleasures, that demand attention and action from you? You need to be aware. You need to be careful when they demand that you go there to try to satisfy them. Uh, you've got a problem. 
We, we call this OCD and other things, all right? But, but let's just be honest. Uh, our flesh can captivate us, and we need to be very careful. And if those things have that effect on us, we need to avoid them as a Christian. It also crosses the line when the pleasure is hidden. Number three, when the pleasure is hidden. Let's just look at a couple passages together. Turn to Acts 24 and verse 16. Acts 24, notice verse 16. And herein, again, the testimony of Paul, herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and toward men. You know that something is questionable. You know that something is, is a thing that you should be avoiding in your life if you want to conceal that from others. Is there anything like that in your life? You need to be careful. That is an indicator that, that it's something that is going to go from just pleasure to being a real problem and, and something sinful that can grab hold of you. Romans, just go over a book. Romans chapter 2. Again, talking about the conscience in verse 15. Paul writing again, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. The fact is, because we're made in God's image, we have God's basic law written in our hearts. And although a man may not even know the word of God, there are basic things in him that govern what he is. And once again, because that is true, when people try to conceal things in their lives, it's an indicator the conscience is troubled and they may very well be doing something that though pleasurable uh, is going to bring them into bondage and is likely sin. Romans chapter 14, verse 23, And he that doubteth, is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. See, God gave us our consciences to be the alarm system. We're made in God's image. We were made to worship the Lord. The conscience is the alarm system. The conscience is not the problem. The conscience indicates that there is a problem. Guilt is, in fact, a blessing from the Lord. It's the alarm going off telling us that there's a fire in the house. And when the, when the alarm is going off, it, it, you don't want to unplug the fire alarm. You want to find out where the fire is at. And once again, going back to our point here, when, when pleasure is hidden, when, yeah, I'm doing this and it does bring me some pleasure, but we're trying to conceal it, we're trying to hide it, Indicator that it's something that should be avoided in our life. Again, quoting Paulison, everything should be open to the inspection since everything is always seen by someone. Everything should be open to inspection. Why? 
because it's seen. You and I really are not hiding anything. Say, well, yeah, I have these pleasures that I feed, but nobody knows. Want to bet? <laughs> God knows. God sees. And by the way, is he interested? He's interested any time we have something that can bring us into bondage and hurt us and even ruin our lives. You, you need to know he is concerned. He is watching. So getting back to our, our main point here. So when, when does the good become evil? When pleasure is hidden. Next, when the pleasure steals you away from the good. When the pleasure steals you away from the good. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16 reminds us to redeem the time because the days are evil. We're to buy back the time. Why? Because we only want to do evil? No. Sometimes, and many times, in fact, we want to do things. They're okay in themselves, but they're, they're taking us away from what is good and what is best. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't take time for pleasure. All right, God gave us those things to richly enjoy. But everything in their place, and we're to do things in moderation because our Lord's return is at hand. And so the reality is, folks, that we can give ourselves to pleasure in things that are not as important as the things that we should be doing as we prepare to meet the Lord and as we serve Him here. I appreciated what Pastor Brown preached uh, and taught us in the Adult Bible Fellowship uh, this morning. We are stewards. We are managers of what God has given to us. We don't treat it like our own, and we don't neglect what he's given us so that we can go and please ourselves. What are some examples of how pleasure steals us away from the good, or, or, or this can happen? Well, here, here's an example. You dear ladies... Let me, let me just pick on you a little bit. I don't know who pays the bills in your house. Renee is the, is the money manager. Uh, she is the, uh, the finance person at our house. She does a great job with it. She enjoys it. And my heart does safely trust in her, okay? Maybe you're like that. At home, you're, you're the one that pays the bills um, and, and, and you, you take care of that. But, but what if a lady... Should be paying the bills, that's what she does, but instead she spends hours and hours on Facebook every day. By the way, I'm on Facebook, that was one of my foibles from 2020. Uh, I love watching our church family, the pictures and, and the way people are encouraging each other, uh, that's all good. But I also see that with, with what's posted, some, some people spend a lot of time or they're just really quick at what they do. I don't know. Okay. But if you spend hours there or on some other social media site and you neglect other things, there's an example of how pleasure is stealing you away from what is good and what is best. Here's another example. 
God's given us, and Pastor Brown reminded us of this this morning, God's given us what he has so that we can give to those who have need. And I'm sure that there are believers who, and this, this may be where you live, where you hear about a need, God prompts you to meet that need, and say, I, I would really like to meet that need. However, we can't this week because we've already eaten out four times. See what we're talking about? There's nothing wrong with eating out. It is expensive. Uh, there are cheaper ways and probably healthier ways for you to be able to feed yourself and your family. But if you eat out all the time, now maybe you have the resources to do that. Okay, But, but here's an example where, where things could be given to meet the needs of those who I'm quite sure are not eating out all the time. But where you could be taking resources that you use on, on pleasure, things that you could do in moderation once in a while, instead of doing it all the time where you limit your ability to do what is good and best. And then finally, when does the good become evil? Number five, when the pleasure doesn't deliver. Stained pleasures never deliver. Do you know that God made us to be satisfied? But he made us to only be satisfied with him. And then when we're only satisfied with him, we get to richly enjoy all the other things. The other things are never a substitute for being satisfied with God. Our theme verse here at Good News. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. What is that satisfaction? And, oh, by the way, and at thy right hand, there will be pleasure forevermore. What's that teach us? Psalm 1611. God made us to be satisfied with him and then to give him glory as we enjoy the things that he's made, uh, he's given to us. But when it gets to the point that those pleasures don't deliver, you're probably involved with something, delving into something that God had, did not want you to be a part of. Things that will leave you empty, anxious, guilty, more obsessed, more unhappy. Only pursuing your relationship with Christ can truly satisfy we're not there yet, but very shortly in the Sermon on the Mount, we'll be studying Matthew 6, 31 to 33, where we're told, don't set your heart on these things. Don't, don't put your mind on what am I going to eat and what am I going to drink and where and, and all of those things. Your Father knows that you have need of those things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and He'll add these things to you. John chapter 4 and verse uh, 14 Again, uh, just some wonderful help uh, to us when it comes to pleasure, when it comes to freedom. John 14, in fact, I'd like you uh, to just make a note. I'm sorry, John 4 is what I meant, meant to say, John 4 and verse 14. But in this passage... Jesus said, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, 
But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Being satisfied with the Lord. Jesus said as he uh, proclaimed at the feast of tabernacles there on the temple mount, come to me and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Over in John chapter 7, again the Lord addresses this in verse John chapter 7 and verse, uh, give my place here, 38. He that believeth on me, the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Well, now we have the Holy Spirit, and we, we have that, that joy. All right, so. These are the ways that we can know on our own spirit that that line has been crossed and the good is now becoming evil in our lives. And you just, you just need to be aware of these. Let's go on, though, and consider the truth that you can overcome addictive behavior. You can overcome addictive behavior. We're going to need to move quickly. But the key word that lets us know that we can overcome that which wants to control our lives is simply this. Sanctification. Sanctification has equipped you for consistent obedience. It's equipped you for consistent obedience. So when you got saved, you were set apart from the world to Christ. That's positional. But sanctification is also progressive. So as we continue to pursue Christ, our relationship with Him, we're saved, we're one of His children, we're guaranteed heaven, but now we pursue the Lord with our whole heart to draw closer and closer to Him, to live uh, in His presence uh, in a way that pleases Him. That's sanctification. And with what the Lord has done in, in us, he has equipped us to be consistent in our obedience. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, which means consistent thinking, which leads to consistent living. All right, so sanctification. Now, in order for you and I to allow sanctification to help us be uh, obedient consistently, we need to know the difference between the old man, the flesh, and the new man. Take your Bibles and let's turn over to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 and 7 ought to be two chapters that you have a working understanding of as a child of God. Romans is the theology of our salvation. And in these two chapters, Paul delineates for us <laughs> these basic realities of our life. What is the old man? What is the flesh? What is the new man? In Romans 6, notice verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. 
For he that is dead is freed from sin. So, notice the old man. The old nature. The reality is this. When you and I got saved, there was a part of us that got put to death. That's the old man. That's the old nature. And through this text, uh, Paul will over and over make references to indicate it's dead. Verse 8, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, right? Because that's true of Christ, and now Christ lives in you. He's our hope of glory. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto Christ through Jesus Christ our Lord. Old nature, old man, dead. How many addictions do dead people have? None. They're dead. That's the point. Why does he say reckon yourselves to be that way? Well, we reckon that to be true because it is true, but there's another law in our members, and I'm skipping ahead to what Paul will teach in the next chapter. There's another law in our members that makes us think that we still need to serve sin. And that is the flesh. The flesh and the, the word members, those are synonymous terms. When you got saved, you did not get a glorified body. You did not get new flesh. You still have the old flesh. And this flesh still wants to serve sin. It wants to sleep too much, eat too much, do too much, spend too much, whatever. That's my flesh. But it's not the old man. The old man was put to death. This flesh is dying, and someday I'm going to get new flesh, glorified flesh. Can't wait, but they're separate. All right, so what's the new man? Well, the new man is the new nature that we receive at salvation. And the new nature is none other than Jesus Christ. He is my new nature. He lives in me. By the way, he is my new life. I have eternal life, not only because I'm going to heaven someday, but he who is eternal life indwells me. Great news. And by the way, because he indwells me, I have a new nature. The old nature's been put to death. I don't have to serve sin. I can sin. I've still got flesh. But I don't have to serve it. You don't have to serve your flesh. In fact, if we'll just yield to the Spirit of God, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And those lusts very easily can turn into addictions. Don't have to serve them. But we do need to yield ourselves completely to Christ. Sanctification teaches us. So we have to know the difference between the old man, the flesh, and the new man. So Ephesians 4, 22 and 24 tell us, put off the old man, 
Put on the new man. And again, the tenses there in Ephesians 4 actually are teaching the old man has been put off. The new man has been put on. Okay? Past, present, action. Now how do we flesh out, how do we show the realities of our sanctification? And that's number two. Know the difference between the old man, the flesh, the new man, but know the difference between vain imaginations and a renewed mind. So, I've got a new nature, but I've got this flesh. My flesh is only going to be able to function as I think thoughts that feed what's broken about the flesh. I will serve the new nature if I think thoughts that are biblical and thoughts that are from the Lord that, that need to control me. This is why the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We're going to see that in a little bit here. But you and I are what we think. So if I will allow God to control my thoughts, I will flesh out the new nature. If I turn to vain imaginations, empty reasoning, sinful thoughts, I can sin and get away with it. Well, this, this pleasure is not going to hurt me. It can't control me. Nobody's watching. Nobody will see. Uh, I've done it before and it hasn't hurt me. All those lies. Those are empty reasonings that I can think, and those things will lead me into sin. But if I will give my mind to the Lord and take in His Word, saturate my mind with a washing of water by the Word, if I will do that, those biblical thoughts, those thoughts from the Lord, will change my behavior. In fact, that's how I become like Christ. So 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us to cast down imaginations and every high thing <coughs> excuse me, that wants to exalt itself against what I know to be true of God. So as I go through my day, my flesh will cast thoughts up there. I'll see something, uh, hear something on the radio or on the TV, it'll want to cast a thought up there. Maybe something that I'm reading will cast a thought up there. And, and my flesh wants to validate what the world and what the devil thinks. But God is saying when those thoughts climb up there, you grab hold of them. If they go against what God has said, you cast them down. Anything that you know is exalting itself against what you know to be true of God and what he has said in his word. Get rid of those thoughts. Because whatever's in the control tower is going to control you. Get rid of those thoughts. And replace them with truth. It's interesting uh, that David, when he fell uh, in his sin with Bathsheba, in Psalm 51, the repentance psalm, uh, it's there that David says that the Lord, you desire truth on the inward parts. Psalm 51 and verse 6. You desire truth on the inward parts. David is admitting the reason I fell into sin is because I believed a lie. I knew the truth. I shoved it aside. I believed what I wanted to believe. 
Sin was at the door. All right, so know the difference between vain imaginations, your thoughts, and re the renewed mind, God's thoughts, and yield to God's thoughts. Letter B. Sanctification has equipped you for consistent obedience. Letter B, meditation on God's word will enable you to have a renewed mind. The only passage, I'll mention these quickly, but Isaiah, uh, uh, let me just mention Psalm 1 and verse 2. The blessed man, what does he do? And in God's law, he meditates day and what? Night, all the time. Okay? And he's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Brings forth fruit in a season. His leaf doesn't wither. Whatever he does prospers. That's what God has in store for us. If we'll meditate. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. On God. How God has revealed himself. On what God has said. Because he trusts. Philippians 4, 6 to 8. Just remember verse 8. Whatsoever things are true and honest and just and lovely, pure, virtue, praise, good report, only think those things. That's what Paul is telling the Philippians. And what will the result be? Again, overcoming any chance of addictive behavior. You are what you think. Don't forget that. And you are bound by the lies that you believe. You and I will be bound by the lies we believe. And that's why the Lord tells us, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you what? Free. <laughs> freedom. Not bondage. Freedom. Not addiction. Freedom. So you can overcome addictive behavior. So let's close with a, just a few practical, uh, practical strategies for change. All right, if you'll, if you'll just take these truths and this year just meditate on them. Take this handout, stick it away someplace, or come back to this message. It'll be uh, recorded. You'll be able to come back to it even after this broadcast. And, and, and I hope you'll just, you'll just meditate through these truths again and watch what God uh, can do if you'll just yield your thoughts to Him. But here's some practical strategies for change. First of all, stop and really enjoy yourself. Stop and really enjoy yourself. In other words, would you just put aside the things that you know that enjoyment will bring captivity into my life, take me back into bondage, and it doesn't really satisfy because when it's over, I have to live with guilt and fear and all that stuff again. And, 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 Come back to the Lord and try to repair our relationship. You know, God just wants you to keep building your relationship with Him. And so stop and really enjoy yourself. God has given us His good things to richly enjoy. In your experience, what has proven to be, now listen, truly restful for you. What is it? There are things God... We have designer lusts that can lead us astray. But God has also given us good interests. And those things can be refreshing and restful. Uh, for a man, it may be his wood shop. Okay? 
Some people, it's, it's hiking. Just, I, I just love, love to hike, and it's good exercise, and to see God's creation. What is it that uh, it helps you that way? What has left you feelish, feeling nourished after you do it? I mean, in a good way. Identify those things and, and pursue those in, in a way that pleases the Lord. Now, we also need to identify our discontent and respond to God with thanksgiving while we enjoy uh, the things that we have. Uh, look, if you would just be content with the things that you have and enjoy what God's given to you, even that will change your perspective. But if, if you're not walking with the Lord, it leaves a, a gaping hole in your heart, and you're going to try to satisfy it with other things. And often we neglect the good things that God has given to us for pleasure, for relaxation. So stop and really enjoy yourself. Letter B, take a fast from your obsession. Remember what Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Do you know that one of the best things you can do for you is say no to your flesh? It's good. By the way, we're going to talk about fasting here in a few weeks uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. But, but do you know that it is healthy and good for you to say no to your flesh and to fast? So take a fast from your obsession. If God says your pleasure is only sinful, well, then it needs to be a permanent fast. Get rid of it. Burn the bridges. Burn any connection. Get rid of any connection with that thing. But if it is not sinful in itself, take a fast to realize that you don't have to have what your flesh wants to control you. You don't have to have it. Take a fast from it. At the same time, overcome the evil with something good. Letter C, grow your relationship with God. Grow your relationship with God. You know that if you're consumed with the Lord, the things of earth will grow faintly dim in the light of His glory and His grace. Grow a relationship with God. You can't love God and mammon. The point, though, is that if you love God, you're going to be disinterested in the mammon. When God satisfies, you don't need the other things to satisfy. I love Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not, what? Want. I won't lack for anything. He leads me beside still waters. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. He prepares a table before me, even in the presence of mine enemies. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is nothing lacking there for God's sheep if they're focused on the relationship with him. As you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. He'll satisfy your heart. You'll realize that God is enough. And then finally, grow your relationships and service to others. All right, grow your relationships and service to others. Remember, Jesus said, I didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. Was the Lord empty as he walked on this earth? No, 
He had a wonderful relationship with his father. He fostered that relationship constantly, and he built relationships with others, invested his life in them, and he served their needs. Remember Acts 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you know that the worst master you can serve is yourself? We're never satisfied if God is not in control. We won't be happy. We won't be contented. However, when we give ourselves to the Lord and serve the needs of others, God's in control and nothing else is able then to control us. Loving God and others produces service to both and ultimately satisfaction of heart. Now we've looked at a lot tonight covered a lot of ground. But I hope this will be a help to you. It'll help you grip God to overcome addiction. In fact, as you're gripping God, again, you'll just be willing to let these other things go. And you know what? God wants that for you. He wants you to enjoy Him, enjoy what He's given you as you serve Him, as you're faithful to Him. So beware. You still have the flesh. It wants to bring you back into bondage. You have Christ. He is our hope. And let's just yield ourselves to him to know real freedom. Let's pray. Father, thank you that although we live in a world that is addicted to all kinds of things and some really crazy things, hoarders and and, and all kinds of twisted nonsense, things that people set their hearts and their affections on. Lord, we realize that we have been delivered from all that through Christ. None of these things needs to control us. So Father, help us to continue to grow in our relationship with you. Continue your work of sanctification in our lives. And Father, help us to meditate, to have minds that are focused on you, where the only thing we let into our mind is truth, what pleases you. And Lord, we pray that you, you would just do such a work in our personal lives and in our church family that, Lord, we know real freedom and we can, we can serve you without being encumbered by the things, the weights and the sins that beset us. So Lord, this week, uh, help us, first full week of 2021, to live in that freedom. And Lord, would you make us into your image, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.